Wasn't that a beautiful song that she played on the piano? Beautiful. We're thankful for that. One correction on the announcements. This month of August, there's not going to be the uh, youth group, junior youth group, all those different uh, career groups. Those will all be off in the month of August. But I think our group is on or off? Okay. Okay. He has to check with headquarters on that. So as soon as we do that, Mike will mention tomorrow night whether our group will be included in that or not. But let's look to the Lord, shall we, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we're here today. We thank you that we can meet together and have the freedom that we have to meet in our country here in the United States. We thank you that we can open our Bibles. We can pray. We have freedom to do this. So many countries of the world, there's so much oppression Many Christians have to meet in secret, in homes and different places of secrecy, but we thank you for the freedom that we have. We pray now as you uh, would teach us today, Lord, your word. We pray that you will speak to us through the Holy Spirit and guide us and lead us. Please hide me behind the cross, Lord, and we pray that your word would go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit and touch every person here in a special way, one way or the other, whatever the need is. And so we commit this time to you and we thank you for all your goodness and mercy and love. And we just thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, today we're going to talk about no regrets part two. In part one, we talked about regretting the things that we've done in life. And there, and all of us have had regrets, haven't we? Things that we've done that we wish we hadn't done. We wish we could have rewound the tape and changed it and done it over again. But the Lord doesn't do that. He forgives us. He cleanses us. He puts it all under the blood. But there are things in life that we do that we regret. And we talked about Paul and Barnabas and how they regretted the feud that they had, the disagreement, the sharp disagreement they had over John Mark and how they broke up this beautiful partnership that they had in evangelism and ministry and went their separate ways. And Barnabas took Mark with him and went and served in Crete and then Uh, Paul took Silas by the Holy Spirit and they went and they served the Lord together. But it's sad, and I'm sure both men would be the first to admit, we regret that very much happened. And there are times when this can happen to any Christian. And we so we have to be careful that we don't say things that will uh, cause us to have regrets. And then we saw the regret that the Israelites had when they didn't seek counsel of the Lord. And Joshua and the people of Israel believed the Gibeonites when they said, oh, we're from a far country. And we started off with our bread. It was fresh, freshly baked and everything was, was fresh and new. And we came from a long journey and we heard about the exploits of Israel and the God of Israel and how you came out of Egypt. And we want to make a peace treaty with you. And they even had a little doubt, but they didn't seek the counsel of the Lord and they lived to regret it. And so they, they believed them and then they could, they were not able to, uh, to go back on that. And later on, Joshua and the people of Israel had to go and save the Gibeonites when they were attacked by others in the land. But it's amazing how we can do things. And if we go outside God's will and don't seek his counsel and don't seek his will, we can live with the repercussions of those decisions for the rest of our lives. Maybe even into all eternity if we regret the decision of not receiving Christ. Because the greatest of all regrets that any human being can have is to not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
People will have all eternity to regret that decision, to reject Christ and to spend an eternity in hell without him is the saddest thing and the greatest regret of all. And we also talked about how God had regrets. Two different instances in Scripture where God regretted something. Number one is when the uh, sons of of men, it's called, married the daughters of earth. And who these were were fallen angels. And they married into the with the women of earth. And they created this superhuman race. They're called men of renown. But they weren't renowned in a good way. They were evil. They were wicked. It says the, their, the thoughts and intents of their heart was only evil continually. They were so evil that God brought the flood on the earth. And it says in Genesis chapter 6 that the Lord was sorry he made man on the earth. Isn't that amazing? The great creator was sorry because of that. But God's plan of salvation went on. And through Noah and his family, they repopulated the earth. And the line of the Messiah went on through and led to the cross where Jesus died for us to to save us from our sins so that we can have no regrets, no eternal regrets because we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there was the incident too where God appointed Saul as king over Israel. He was tall, he was dark, he was handsome. He was the person that you would definitely pick out of a crowd that you'd want to to, to lead your nation, right? And, and be the commander in chief. But Saul disobeyed God. And it started when he partially obeyed and partially disobeyed, which is really disobedience. And through his disobedience, God rejected him from being king. And it was so sad. And Saul, Samuel, who had anointed him as king, was so sad over it. And it says that the Lord regretted that he made Saul king. And that's amazing. But then after Saul, David came along, a man after God's own heart, and carried on as a godly king over the nation. And then we also talked about how sometimes we can regret the things that we say. And sometimes as soon as the words go out of our mouth, we wish we could grab them and get them back, but we can't. Once you speak a word, it's out there. And nowadays, when you speak things over the Internet... It goes viral sometimes and it goes to hundreds and thousands and even millions of people all over the world and people regret it, what they put on the internet. You have to be so careful. Young people don't put things on the internet. Don't put things, pictures, if you don't want everybody in the world to see it, don't put it on there because it can be seen by so many people. And then we also talked about how Paul regretted the time where when he was before the Jewish authorities and then the, the, the man ordered him to be struck on the face and he said, God strike you, you whitewashed wall. You're uh, hitting me against the law and doing something against the law. And then the other man said, do you revile the high priest? And he said, brethren, I did not know he was the high priest. And so he regretted that. He didn't know it. He did it unknowingly. And so there are things that we do and there are things that we say that we re- can regret and have to ask the Lord to forgive us and sometimes to ask others to forgive us as well. And that was part one. So that has refreshed us. And those who weren't here, that's part one. You're caught up. Those who were here for part one, that refreshes our mind because like Adel said, we forget uh, what we hear so many times, so much of it. Well, today we're going to take the opposite. We're going to talk about regretting the things that we should have done that we didn't do. And we're going to regret the things that we should have said 
that we didn't say. So it's the opposite. But these two things are also very true. And our main text this morning is from James chapter 4 and verse 17. James chapter 4 and verse 17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, it's amazing. There are two types of sins in the Bible. You can reduce them down to two different sins. One is the sin of commission, where you commit a sin. And that's wrong and that's sinful and that's bad in God's sight. The other is the sin of omission. It's not doing something, it's saying something wrong. It's not doing something that you know you should have done and needed to do. And so he says, that's sin too. Both of them are sin. And so it's an amazing verse. So we're going to look, first of all, of not doing the things that we should have done. You know, our problem as human beings is not a lack of knowledge. We know what we should do. Many of us know the Bible very well. But it comes down to one thing and one thing only, and it's our sinful will gets in the way. We know what God wants us to do. We know it very well. But we reject it because of our our pride, our stubbornness, and our sinfulness. And the Lord has to deal with us. And the more we know the scriptures the more accountable we are to the Lord. So don't use that as an excuse. Go and say, well, Dean told me the more I know, the more accountable I be. So I better not learn this Bible because I'm going to be under scrutiny and God's going to deal with me. No, we should learn the scriptures. We should know the scriptures. We should search the scriptures daily like they did in Berea to see whether these things are so. But when we do that, we have to remember we are responsible for what we know And we are accountable for it. And so it's very, very important. And the story is told of a servant in Luke chapter 12 and verses 47 and 48. The story of servants who knew their master's will and didn't do it. And it says in Luke 12, 47, And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Verse 48. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. To whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. So what the principle of scripture is, the more we know, the more accountable we are, as we said. And if a person knows what to do, like this servant here, and he doesn't do it, he's even more responsible because he knew what to do. Then the other servant, he didn't know, but he still did things worthy of being punished, but he won't be be punished to the same extent. And so in scripture, there is a principle. Do what is right at the right time in the right way and for the right reasons, and then you will be all right. You will be blessed so tremendously. In the parable of the talents, remember in the parable of the talents, Jesus gave ten, he gave five talents to one, he gave three talents to another, and he gave one talent to the third one. And so both of the first two were very good. They went out and, and traded with others and they made more. And the one who had five now has ten talents. The one had three, he went on and made more also. And then the third one though, The third one, 
And sometimes we can be like that. He took his talent and he went and buried it in the ground. And later on, when the master came back and he honored those first two servants for what they did in, in, in taking the talents and using them, he rebukes this third ta- uh, person, this third man who went and buried his talents in the ground. And he says, well, master, he says, I know you're a tough, harsh taskmaster and you reap where you do not sow and you gather where you haven't scattered seed. And I was afraid. So I went and I took your talent and I buried it in the ground. Here it is. Here's your talent. And the, the master didn't use accept that excuse and said, oh, it's OK. He didn't say that. He said, you should have taken that talent then and gone to the bank and deposited and made interest. Of course, nowadays, there's not much interest to be made on these accounts, right? But interest rates are going up and savers, don't worry, you'll you'll get your interest. But he said, you should have gone and done that. He said, you wicked and lazy slave. You should have taken that and used it that way instead of burying it in the ground. And so many times as Christians, we feel that the talents God gives us, the things that he's given us, the abilities he's given us are very small. They don't mean that much. My part is very little in 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 the work of the Lord, but it's important to the Lord and we should use it. Every gift, every talent that he has given is from God. It's not from us. He gives us the ability to serve him and we should use those talents for his glory in whatever way He's given us. But it's bad when you don't. And there's an example in the parable of the Good Samaritan where we see both sides of this story very well. We know all know the story in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 35. And I'm going to read it. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. He was hurt very, very badly. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii. And that was the day's wage was each denarii. Gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. So there were three men in this story. And Jesus used it as it's a parable when he uses it of which one was really the neighbor to the man who was beaten and robbed. And so there were these two men who came and these men were knowledgeable men. These were religious men. These were the the godliest of the godly of their day. One was a priest. And he was the priest according to the Aaronic priesthood. And the other was a Levite who came from the same tribe, Levi, both of them did. But some, the first one was a priest because he was in the line of the priesthood. And the other one was a Levite who was a servant. And both of them knew the scriptures. They knew what to do. They had no excuse. 
You come and you find somebody hurt on the side of the road, what are you going to do? You're going to help them, right? And it's amazing to me that this expression, Good Samaritan, still lives on today. I listen to the traffic reports all the time, and they talk about uh, there's a bad accident on the side of the road, and a Good Samaritan stopped and pulled the man out of the burning car or out of the burning truck or helped out in some way. They call them a Good Samaritan. It's amazing how much in our contemporary society is still showing things from the Bible, which is amazing, which is good. But we need to get back to it as a country completely. And so both of these men knew the right thing to do, and neither one of them did it. It's amazing. They walked by. They looked at him. They checked him out. They couldn't say he wasn't hurt very badly because it's obvious that he's injured. He, it says he was wounded and he was half dead on the side of the road. But they turned aside and went to the other side. Do you think they would live with regret for that? I think they would, but they, but they didn't at that point. They walked away. Both of them, the priest and then the Levite. And so then along comes a Samaritan. And a Samaritan was an, was an enemy of the Jews. They were, they were enemies that neither one liked each other. They lived apart from each other. They didn't like each other at all. And it's the Samaritan of the three that took the time to not only see him in need and see how bad he was hurt, but it says he came to where he was and then he took care of him. He he took out some oil and he poured in the oil and the wine, which was medicinal in those days for those wounds. And so he bandaged them up and helped him out. Then he put him on his own animal, meaning that he let the man ride on the animal and he walked. And then he took him to the nearest inn, Motel 6, which was right down the street, right? So we'll keep the light on for you. And so he takes him there to the, mo- to the, to the inn and he says to the innkeeper, we got to take care of this man. And he gives him two denarii, which is, as I mentioned, two days worth of wages. That's a lot of money to get. This third man, this Samaritan, he went the first mile, he went the second mile, and then he went the third mile because he says to the innkeeper, he says, now, if he's gonna, if it's gonna cost you any more to take care of him, I'll pay you the next time I come. But take care of him. Make sure he gets back on his feet and he gets well, and then he can go home. And so it's amazing. He goes the second and the third mile. And Jesus said, which one of these three was neighbor to the man who was injured? And even the Jews, they said it was the third one. Obviously, the third one was a neighbor because he saw somebody in need. He didn't just look and walk away or turn and walk away. We've all heard of stories that back east in New York is famous for it, other places, where people are committing crimes out on the street. People are being attacked and all that. And people are just avoiding it. They don't want to get involved. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to have to testify in court. I don't want the bad people to come after me. And so they do it all the time. But it can really be a regretful thing. So the question is, God has given us a conscience and he wants us to use it. And when we see somebody in need, you can't turn a blind eye to that. And in the scripture, it tells you if somebody wants to, you to lend to them, lend to them. They need your help, give to them. It's, it's all part of the love of Christ. So our first point of this morning is to make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do and that we don't leave it undone and we don't leave people in need. 
Secondly, we're going to look at not saying what we should have said. And this is very important too. You know, we live in a society of, you can call it a PC society. And I think you know what I'm talking about. PC, political correctness. Nobody wants to offend anybody so much to the point that they won't say anything that's going to maybe rock the boat. And it's bad because we have to speak up and we have to let people know that certain things are, are right and certain things are wrong. We live in a society of gray areas. That's what they want. They want it to be a gray area. Well, it could be right. There's, there's time, it could be right. Or it could be wrong. And I'll leave it up to you to choose. No. God says things are right. And God says certain things are wrong. And that's why we have to be those as Christians who say, let our yes be yes and our, our no be no. Let our, let our tongue speak and say, if it's wrong, it's wrong. They call that expression calling a spade a spade, and we need to be able to do it. I think of nowadays, especially in politics, in the political world, but also in, in society in general, people don't want to take a stand on the really critical issues. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's a tough one. Let's not talk about abortion. No, well, that's too controversial. Let's not talk about the subject of homosexuality. Let's not bring it up. Let's not talk about gay marriage or other these things. Let's not make anybody mad at us or think that we're uh, ultra conservative and don't have compassion and things like that. Christians do have compassion. Christians do love. The love of Jesus is for every person. No matter what their sin is, he wants to forgive that sin and give them eternal life. But we cannot say it's right. And if the subject comes up and people ask me about it, I'm going to tell them. There have been times where I was called to court and they'd ask me questions about the case and everything like that. And I'd tell them what the Bible says and I would say what I believe. And next thing you know, say, Mr. Allen, thank you very much for your service. You're dismissed for the day because they didn't want anybody in that jury to take a strong stand. They want, right, Brother Dave, they want people that are kind of mellow and can go either way and can be uh, impressionable and so forth. And they don't want somebody in there that's got a strong view. They don't. So they say, thank you very much. And I'm happy because I get to go back to work. I get to go back to church. I won't have to miss it. But nevertheless, I've never not wanted to serve on a jury. I believe in serving. But uh, it's amazing. And so uh, that's what it is. And so when we do that, we have to be those who are willing to stand up and speak for the truth. I like what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 10 and verses 32 and 33. We have to be those who are willing to speak for the Savior and to be willing to confess his name before others. This is a powerful portion. This was spoken by the Lord Jesus. He said, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. And then he says in the other verse, but, and that's the contrast, but whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We should love the Lord so much and be so thankful for what he's done for us that we be willing to speak his name, stand up for him, and witness to others. And it's, it takes courage, it takes boldness, but he will give us the ability to do it if we are willing to stand up and tell people about the truth about the Lord. Righteousness is not popular nowadays. It really isn't. And people do not like it. 
They do not like anybody to come along and say things are wrong in their lives. They don't like it. And so we're going to also look today at an example about how you can say something, not say something that you should have said. And a lot of times nowadays, there are churches where people speak against others, speak gossip, and do those kinds of things, and it's wrong. And it once that gossip goes out, it's like a ripple effect through the whole church. And that's why, thank God, we don't have gossip in our church. Because it can ruin churches, it can affect things so much. And if you, if you speak against an elder, for example, the Bible says that's wrong, and we shouldn't accept that. Speak against a fellow brother or sister in Christ without hearing the other side of the story. That's bad. And so we have to be careful that what we say is the right thing and that we don't not say what we should say. And so many times people quote others out of context. And you said, you said this. Yeah, I did, but I said it within the context of all these other things. That's why so many people always say you quoted me out of context. But we have to be careful. And when you go into court, and Dave, you can testify to this one too, they have you raise your right hand and they say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So many times in life today, people tell the truth, but they leave out certain details, right? And so if you tell a story and of a witness and an account, and you tell the story, but you leave out certain particular details, it can be damaging to another person because you left out important details of that testimony. That is wrong. And so we have to be careful of that because it says the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth is what we need to speak. Otherwise, we can live with regret for that. And our tongues can get us into a lot of trouble for what we say, but it can also get us into a lot of trouble, even more trouble sometimes, by what we don't say, by what we don't communicate. William Faulkner, who is not a Christian, but he said a very interesting quote. He says, Never be afraid to raise your voice for honesty and truth and compassion against injustice, lying and greed. If people all over the world would do this, it would change the earth. And it's true. If we would stand up for honesty and truth, compassion, and we'd stand against injustice, lying and greed, it would be a lot better. The philosopher Cicero once said, if we are not afraid to think it, we shouldn't be afraid to say it. If we know what's right, we should say it and we should do it. And there are times when keeping silent and not speaking up can hurt others. And it can hurt ourselves as well. One day there was a story of John the Baptist when he was a great man of God, fearless preacher of the word of God. And, and one day he was talking to Herod and he said, Herod, what you're doing here is not right. In fact, what you're doing here is you're committing a sin against God. What you're doing here, you've got to, you've got to stop this because he had taken his brother Philip's wife, Herodias, as his wife. And it was wrong and it was evil and it was sinful. And it would have been easy for John the Baptist to say, well, I better not get involved with that because the king's not going to want to hear what I have to say. And sometimes when the king doesn't like what you have to say, what does they do? Ouch, you know, out. They say, take this guy out and, and kill him. 
And so John the Baptist wasn't like that. And he spoke the truth and he ended up going into prison and he was in prison. And Herod used to still like to hear him speak. Well, one day when Herodias's daughter, who was named Salome, she danced before the king and he promised, whatever you want up to the half of your king of my kingdom, I'll give it to you. That was a rash vow in what she said, too, because he had to honor that. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. King was sorry, but he says, I can't not do it in front of all these people. I made this commitment, this big thing. I said, whatever she wants. And, it's, and if I say, well, you can, you can have whatever you want, but that I can't do that. Make me look bad. So he couldn't do that. So he went out and he said, go down and execute John the Baptist. And, and that that's what happened. John kept his integrity, though. He kept his honesty. He was willing to say that to a king. Can you imagine that? That you're sinning against God. You need to repent. This is wrong. And he was willing to do it at the cost of his own life. That's the kind of commitment is involved here. You know, there are some states, and I'd have to check with our resident uh, police officer here too. Brad knows about these things. I went on the internet and I, and I looked it up and I said, I wonder if failing to report a crime is is, is, is considered a crime itself. There are certain states that do have that on their books that if you fail to report a crime, you've seen it, you've seen it happening, you know who's done it and all that, you can be prosecuted for it. There are certain isolated cases for that. But in most states, if you don't report child abuse, that is wrong in every state and you can be prosecuted for that. And so if we know what to say and we do not say it and we keep silent, it's wrong. And we've seen it in so many instances nowadays where people, they kept silent. They didn't say anything. They, they closed their eyes to it and it's wrong. And we need to be able to stand for the truth. And then I was thinking about, think about all in the days of Jesus when he was being uh, on trial there and they were going to crucify him. And all the voices that said, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. I was wondering what happened to all those people that Jesus healed? What happened to all the blind people that had their sight and all the, the sick people that were made well and the dead that were raised from the dead and, and the lepers that were cleansed and all of that? Where, where were they? Why didn't they speak up and say, wait a minute, don't crucify Jesus. He healed me. He changed my life. He gave me a new hope, a new life. But the voices of sin and evil overcame it anyway. But as Christians, we should put our hope fully in the Lord Jesus Christ and be willing to speak up when it comes time to speak. I think about Peter. His was both ways. He regretted what he said when he denied the Lord. But I also think he regretted even more that he didn't speak up for the Lord because he could have said, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm a proud follower of Jesus. This man is the son of God. Remember, Peter had just confessed up in Caesarea Philippi when he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And here's a man who made the good confession and now is saying, I never knew him. I don't know him. And he denied it not once, not twice, but three times. He denied the Lord. So his was both ways. It was a two-sided coin. On one side, he regretted denying the Lord. On the other hand, he regretted not saying something for the Lord. And so it's a, it's a double thing there. Later in the book of Acts, though, Peter was a completely different person. And when he had a chance to speak for the Lord, he did it. 
He spoke with courage. He spoke with boldness. He said, if you think it's right to obey men rather than God, you be the judge of that. But as for us, we're going to do what God has told us to do. So may the Lord encourage us today to realize that there are times that we don't do what we should do. And we know it. And there are times when we don't say what we should do. And we know it. And that's why there is regrets. And we don't want to have that kind of regret in our lives. We don't want to be like the priest or the Levite that could see somebody in need and then pass by and not help out. We don't want to be in a situation where our words can can help somebody out of a bad situation situation and not speaking them. So may the Lord help us to remember not only today's message, not doing what we should have done and not saying what we should have said, but also in part one, we had not doing wrong and not saying things wrong. May the Lord help us to live without regrets so that when you go to bed tonight, you can set your head on the pillow and say, thank you, Lord, for the day. I don't regret What I did today, I don't regret what I said today. And if we did something wrong or we said something wrong or we didn't do something we should have or we didn't say something we should have, we can confess it, ask the Lord to forgive us and he will wipe the slate clean and said, I forgive you. We have a God who forgives. We have a God who forgets. He doesn't hold it against us. He gives us second chance. He gives us third chance. He gives us fourth chances and many chances. And he loves us so much. All he wants us to do is to be willing to do what he wants us to do, to say what he wants us to say, and to be willing to be godly Christians in an ungodly world. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, today, we thank you for the challenge of your word. We just pray, Lord, that when you want us to do something, we'll do it and we'll not leave it undone. And when you want us to say something, we'll say it and we'll not leave it unsaid. Lord, we pray that you will guide us and direct us. Help us to study the word, Lord. Help us to read it, to study it, to meditate on it, to memorize it, to apply it to our lives and obey it. And Lord, help us to be accountable for what we learn. Not only to know the knowledge of it, but help us to practice it in our lives, to be doers of the word. And we pray that we can live our lives, Lord, without regrets. And we pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't know the Lord Jesus as Savior, may they be saved today so they will never have to have eternal regrets in hell. We pray that they would accept your love, your forgiveness, and believe, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for their sins and that they will confess their sins and forsake them and repent and be born again. And we just thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Help us to live according to your word. Help us to stand, Lord, in this evil society, as Christians, no matter what people malign us with or say against us, help us to to truly take a stand. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.